You're listening to Once, episode 88, The Miller's Daughter. Welcome back to Once Podcast, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time, and we're brought to you in part by Simul TV. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We are so happy to have you listening to us. Check us out on the website at oncepodcast.com, and the screenshots and links that we mentioned for this episode will be at oncepodcast.com slash 88. The Miller's Daughter was a really good episode, written by Jane Espenson. And uh, now that we've watched this a couple times, what were your overall thoughts about this, Jenny and Jeremy? I was really happy to delve into Cora's past. It was fun. I liked it. It was mm. great. It it was the most intense battle I could imagine in a pawn shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been some pretty tough haggling before, but <laughs> not quite with swords. <laughs> Yeah. It was exciting. If someone had told me the final showdown with Cora anyway would have taken place in Gold Shop, I might have said, hmm. hmm. But it worked. Yeah, and we got to we got to see why the creepy kissing happened. Yes. That time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was <laughs> That was all wigged out over the it. The episode The Cricket Game, I believe. Uh, the the creepy kissing between Rumpel and Let's seal it like we used to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that this episode is in a really interesting place in Once Upon a Time because it has resolved a lot of things, um, resolved some loose ends, and uh, killed some people. And Cora was just a big loose end. Let's be honest, a, a little bit. But we we also <laughs> didn't know where that was going. Not in a bad way, but. And, I did not expect her to die. Yeah. I thought there was going to be this massive battle involving the three of them, Regina Cora and Rumpelstiltskin. Mm-hmm. So this was a humongous surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me. so it, it makes me wonder, where are they going with the season from here on out? Because this isn't even a break. We're having another episode of Once Upon a Time this upcoming Sunday. So this right. isn't one of those things like resolve a couple questions raise some more questions just before we leave you for three or four weeks right. ha 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 so where do you think it'll pick up regina's shop regina's gonna be more evil than she ever was evil queen is back yeah She's back i think so i yeah yeah that's that's gonna be scary to see but also i think cool because like we joked about before she's got the wardrobe in her vault <laughs> What if she does go out in all dun, evil dun, queen dun, regalia? Dun, dun, and dun. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the evil queen comes in Storybrooke. It's now set up for that. How long has it been since we heard that? Well, it's been here and there oh, throughout okay. the episodes. Yeah, because it's one of the kind of themes that we hear. So, yeah, we've heard it several times. But in Storybrooke, I don't think we've heard the evil queen theme song. Have we heard her ravens? Oh, yeah. Every time she's outside. Really? Or, yeah. Yeah, so that hasn't stopped. Okay. I'm so not good at hearing them. <laughs> they're like they're like Once Upon a Time's... They are to Once Upon a Time what the Observers were to Fringe. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, not really, but that's okay. <laughs> and, and now every time that Jenny and I are somewhere and we hear ravens, we say, Regina! Regina! <laughs> we do. We do. Exactly. Do you see her? No. Oh, okay. We hear her, though. We hear her <laughs> ravens. feel her presence. <laughs> Regina! <laughs> so let's talk about this episode, starting with Enchanted Forest. Now, um, Jenny and I have read the Rumpelstiltskin story, but Jeremy, have you read it before? Nope. I've heard it. I might have read it. I forget. If you watched Reading Rainbow as a kid, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then it was there. I was going to say, I feel like I'm familiar with it in a way that's different from having seen it or just heard an overview. You should go to Pinterest. I penned it. <laughs> I nice. penned the Reading Rainbow movie. All in individual video. pictures on Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, so you have to flip through them like a flip book. <laughs> well, it's basically that there's this uh, woman that is going to marry the king or in order to marry the king she has to spend straw into gold and then rumpelstiltskin shows up does it for her and this goes on in the story i think it was her father that that gloated that his daughter could and she was a little more helpless than than the cora was when cora was yeah yeah story yeah thanks for that correction And, and so she kept making deals with rumpelstiltskin that um every night he would weave more or spend more straw into gold yeah and she would trade like jewelry and stuff at first and then at the biggest room she had to trade her unborn child Mm -hmm. first born and then in order to um get out of the deal she had to guess rumpelstiltskin's name yeah and she or one of her maids uh, heard Rumpelstiltskin dancing in his house saying his name over and Rumpelstiltskin is my name. Yeah. Who sings like that? Who sings their name? And, and so then, um, then Rumpelstiltskin came back and then the queen or the girl, the mother, uh, said, your name is Rumpelstiltskin. And so he was defeated. And he was like, the devil told you. The yeah. devil told you. And, and oh some versions. Blew away on his spoon. <laughs> some <laughs> versions of the story end a little with a little bit of gory details of what oh. happens to him after that. Wow. But basically, it's... I like my version better. <laughs> he flew away on a spoon. <laughs> it's similar to what we saw in this episode of Once Upon a Time, in a way. In a way. But just like with so many of the other stories they've been telling in Once Upon a Time, they, they take a twist yeah. to it and fill in some details and give us the story behind the story and approach it in a slightly different direction. As soon as I heard him introduce himself, I was like, oh, now she knows your name. Because <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, the story that I was always mm-hmm. familiar with. But he did say that she earned it, his name. Oh. That she earned his name when he gave her the contract and I he thought, said, you're spicy. I thought, <laughs> I thought he was saying that she earned a change in the contract. No, that would be that would be interesting if if that he was actually referring to. I think that's what he said. The name that she earned, because names are important to him. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that here we are seeing the original. Well, I mean, it's not the original version, but this is what Rumpelstiltskin is known for. Is this story? Right. But to us now, it just feels like a little part of his history, yeah. <laughs> and it feels more like Cora's story, the yeah. Miller's daughter. Yeah, and that's it. it was just that's so. Really, this is if they if Rumple weren't this character that he is, this would be oh they're doing Rumple Stiltskin, but no, it's more about her mm-hmm. because his story's so much bigger. Did you think Prince Henry looked like Henry Senior? A little bit, yeah. You think so? 
I'd have to. I think Henry Senior did not age very well. I, that's well, this is about twenty-eight years before. Didn't he shrink at least like a foot? Well, <laughs> maybe yeah, Cora had that it. effect on him. <laughs> maybe one of our listeners sent in that thought as they said, maybe Cora um, wore well. on him a little, wore him down to size a little bit. Now we got a great email in from Kirsty. Uh, I guess that's how you pronounce it about this point of the Rumpelstiltskin story. She said. I know the show does not always tell the fairy tales how they are meant to go, but they usually uh, find a different way to tell it while leaving similarities to the original tale. In this episode, we saw where the tale of the miller's daughter and Rumpelstiltskin came from, but we have yet, we still have yet to see truly the part in the original tale when, where someone has to guess his name in order to go back on a deal. Since they didn't include it in Cora's story, I'm thinking the writers could be saving that part for another story to be shown in future backstory. It's and, possible. Yeah, because the way he that he said later on, you've earned it about his name, it seems like, and this is hundreds of years after he became the Dark One. So right. maybe for a while he became known as simply the Dark One, and so that's why people had to earn his name in some way. And Kirsty also added to this, P.S., I was totally starting to sing Circle of Life when Cora raised baby Regina up like Simba. That's good. (laughs) I saw that from a lot of people, and so did uh, several of the other Once Upon a Time podcasters mentioned this as well. The Lion King reference, which I didn't even think of the first time we watched it. I did. (laughs) Circle of Life. I wonder if there's any chance this is not the only Miller's daughter that he's had a deal with it it seems like it i mean there was the whole firstborn thing but mm-hmm. i don't know that name i think names are significant to him i don't know that it's gonna go exactly that way they may never address somebody guessing his name yeah they may throw it in just for fun somewhere but yeah I, i'm not I sure whether think like that yeah i'm not sure whether it'll be a big thing i think that rose mcgowan i think that's how you say her name was a great actress to play Cora. Her yeah. mannerisms, her look. Her mouth moved a lot like uh, older Cora's did when she spoke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and some of the the ways that she just looked yeah. at people looked like Cora. The way she carried herself was a lot like Cora, mm-hmm. now that I think about it. Because Cora's always very like like proper, but she's usually pretty still. Have you noticed? She's usually pretty still. Oh, yeah. Like even if she's walking, she's very like graceful and she's slow and you know. Yeah. They both they she did a great job. Vanessa emailed in saying Rose McGowan was great as Cora and proved she was already a bitter, miserable woman. She was also older and for that time a spinster who had the bloodlust of Rumple. It was why she could so easily take out her heart and leave Rumple. Personally, I thought she and the king were a good pair. The king also says something along the lines that his son was not that great of a prize anyway. <laughs> yeah. Probably because he didn't have the you know, like the strength in character that Cora did. Or the strength that the king was looking for. Kind of the King yeah. George kind of strength that like the he was cruel looking for. Kind of, well, like we- the ability to be cruel. We always saw that from him. Like, he was kind of wimpy, I guess. He was nice. Not, yeah, he's nice. He's just nice. Henry, you're saying? Yeah, he just... Well, assume, did we ever hear his name? Because I... Yeah. 
I still didn't hear it. I don't know why. Okay. Okay. (laughs) The name Henry. Yes. They never mentioned the name Leopold. And we've got more to talk about Leopold later on. Uh, I was just trying to figure out if there was any chance he was not the Henry Sr. that we've seen. But he is. Yeah. He just kind of let first Cora and later Regina push him around. Just did whatever they wanted pretty much. And uh, Vanessa also said, we saw the kind eyes of the prince and how it explains his love and devotion to Regina. Uh, He also seemed captivated by Cora from the moment he saw her. He kept looking back at her after the flower incident. And that's from Vanessa. So thank you. Ava. She was was disgusting brat. (laughs) Well, both Cora and Ava were brats, so they had this kind of brat conflict. Well, why was why did Cora? I mean, why was why was Ava a brat? She was royalty. She was, I guess, I guess, being in the palace and being pampered and stuff made her a brat. But Cora, I don't think she was a brat. Well, Cora was like like Vanessa said. Cora was already a bitter person. It's because of her dad. Yeah, she was angry. Yeah, and. She just responds, stupid, foolish girl. I had to keep watching. I'm like, which one of them said that? Because I'm like, isn't she going to get like executed for saying that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that was Cora. And yeah, I was watching for that same thing, like figuring out who who said that because you can't see Ava's mouth moving. Her dad just made her a bitter woman. Mm -hmm. Jenny and I both liked the same Ava line, even though it was horrible. As they do. (laughs) Peasant girl tripped. As they do. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's what all peasants do. They trip. (laughs) Now, this castle that they were in, we talked about this a little bit in the initial reactions, and I compared this to a bunch of other castles that we've seen in Once Upon a Time, and I couldn't find anything like it. The closest thing that was kind of similar was Cinderella's castle, but not complete. The architecture was just partially similar. But there wasn't enough of Cinderella's castle to see as a whole to compare it to this castle. So for the most part, we can basically assume this is a different castle, completely different kingdom. And in fact, coming back to Ava, she was said, uh, the king said that Ava was from the northern kingdom. Mm -hmm. So that's probably around where King Leopold and... Um, King George and all of them are is more in the northern kingdom. This seems to then be something just separate from this. So this is an additional kingdom we're learning about nearby, mm-hmm. but it's still part of or attached to the enchanted forest. But some things about Ava that were interesting because we were talking about family relationships and the initial reactions. And if you didn't listen all the way through the initial reactions, like until your um, podcast player stopped playing then you might have missed that at the end we included a slight amendment to the whole Henry is the older brother of, or younger brother of Leopold thing, because we realized that would mean Regina married her uncle, which would be kind of weird. But but only by marriage. Her uncle, only by marriage, right? By blood. By it blood. would have been blood, by blood, if, okay. if that was the case. But it seems it's not the case, and we received some great feedback from several people explaining things a bit more. So first, consider what King Xavier, that's his name in the credits, what King Xavier said about Ava is that she's from the Northern Kingdom, she's an honored guest, and a very important person. She's probably mm. rich, and he needed his son to marry a rich woman. And I didn't see her at the dance. 
wasn't looking for so her. So we, we received a couple emails from people, some saying maybe she was there to kind of look at Henry and consider marrying Henry, or maybe she was there as a family relationship, some sort of diplomatic relationship, and that's why she was there. I have an idea. I think that the king, what was his name? Xavier. Xavier. I think he was, you know, sort of looking around for a bride and and needing to approve a bride for his son because he knew his son, like, wasn't a strong, wouldn't be a strong leader. So he was kind of shopping around for his son with his son so that he could find someone with a strong character. And maybe he just didn't like the idea of his son marrying a brat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Kevin from Alabama suggested that Princess Ava was there as a prospect. And then Jesse, or, well, Jesse's full name is Jesse Paradoxes of People, thought that maybe Ava was King Xavier's niece or, niece or some <laughs> kind of distant relative. So different sides of it. And the the main thing, I think, is that I think we can assume Leopold is not here. He's not related to this royal family. Even some listeners sent in some feedback about how Spanish or Latin these characters look yeah. related to Henry, like the father, you know, with a heavy accent. And Leopold definitely was not right. Spanish or Latin. And then Regina is Latin for queen. Mm. So there's all of this Latino influence. And even the actress who plays Cora is uh, half um, Portuguese, I think, or Puerto Rican, not Puerto Rican. So it's like half something that's considered Latino. I, I forget. No. Funny. And Lana Puria is uh, half Latino mm. as well. Wow. Barbara Hershey isn't though, is she? I don't know about her. Hmm. She's half chocolate. <laughs> Oh my. Hershey's. Hershey's. <laughs> oh, I don't understand. <laughs> now, the tiara that Princess Ava was wearing was different from the one that she gave Snow, oh. and also different than the one from uh, from the one that Queen Ava was wearing in the last episode, The Queen is Dead. She probably had a lot of tiaras. Yeah. And I'll have some screenshots of this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 88 if you want to check that out and see how the pattern is different between them. When at the ball, when Cora uh, was at the palace there for the dance, and she snuck in with the dress and the mask, she do you think she knew that was Henry as soon as she got there and decided, I'm going to go flirt with the prince? Probably. Mm, I don't know. She seemed genuinely speechless when she realized. And what was with saying, I'm a goose? I think that was just a kind of phrase like i'm a butterfingers i'm a <laughs> well i figured it was just kind of odd i've never i mean i've sort of heard of it but maybe it's like calling yourself a goof yeah or a goober or i'm so dumb <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> pretty much yeah but thank but... you for saying all that those will make great sound bites <laughs> later <laughs> when the king then came and started dancing with her very quickly Um, Or just kind of circling her. He wasn't really dancing. Like, he wasn't doing anything with his arms. He was basically just (laughs) walking around her, almost circling her, even though, like, she had her arm up on him. They were following the dance. A little bit, but people behind them in the background were doing something else. Oh. But he said that their kingdom was strained by righteous wars. So, not a reference to Ogre's Wars or something, but something that he called... 
Yeah, I don't think so. Just to mean, I mean, it could just mean that they weren't out conquering people. Or they were conquering people, like the Crusades. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they would call them right. They're probably, he's probably going to be like, we're strapped. Yeah, it's because we spent all our money on these evil wars, but we're still strapped. <laughs> and the, I like that the straw turned to gold thing was just completely random it's like i can turn straw into gold yeah yeah that's it yeah yeah, i liked that except for rumpelstiltskin later saying hey i actually happen to like doing that Mm -hmm. i thought that was a little too random unless it's not so i still have the lingering question when and where did he learn or decide to start doing that well, that is the scene that happens after this in Enchanted Forest when Rumpelstiltskin, uh, Stiltskin comes to her and then, yeah, starts flirting with her, kind of. And uh, that's what he said about that is he said, it's like, 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 like a fate. <laughs> that was pretty much what he said. <laughs> that many likes? Yeah, he said about four or five different likes. <laughs> And remember in Manhattan that Neil in the bar with Emma had said one of the things that my dad always talked about how it was fate or destiny mm. or how forces in the universe cause things to happen. That could be. I still want to know when he started doing it and why. Yeah. Or it could just be because he could see the future. And so uh-huh. maybe he does possible. it to forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was he already doing it to forget? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, I guess it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Although chronologically, yes. In case anyone is out there saying, no, that happened later. Yeah, we know that happened know. about 28 years later than this. <laughs> so, 28. Oh, yeah. Probably. Closer to around the time of the curse. Sure. Why did he say Cora sounds like something breaking? I don't know if I understood that unless it was a heart reference. Yeah. Um, well, Cora is similar to the Spanish word corazón, which means heart. Right. And it could also just be a way that he decided to insult her name. Well, that's nice of him. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is such a Playful charmer. banter. He's a you know. charmer. Not a very pretty name, is it? Sounds like something breaking. <laughs> yes, I did get that sound clip because I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can play that during our feedback section. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so mean. <laughs> So he pulls out this firstborn child contract. Does he always have this thing handy? I think he can create contracts on the spot. If Not that you'd want to be the dark one, but if you had that much power, do you think you'd bother doing something like writing with a quill? Mm. I think not. Yeah, true. Not but, to mention how hard it is to find paper even in this day and age when you need to write something down. I'd just create it with the writing on it. But it's... It reminds me of, from season one, the episode, The Price of Gold, when he had the firstborn contract again with Cinderella, though. Created it. Yeah, their their agreement was a little bit different, but it was still firstborn. At least Cora read the contract. Yeah, well, the beginning of it. Yeah, and knew right away that it was for her firstborn. Why was it so long? What else was on it? To intimidate her. 
And make her just be like, fine, fine, I'll sign it. It's a legal document. I don't want to read all this. Over and over again, it said, you're firstborn, you're firstborn. Just like Emma, 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 Emma. That's he just writes things as many times as he feels like. But uh, I love that it wasn't just some random, well, he even said some random firstborn, which was always a creepy aspect of the Rumpelstiltskin story. He wanted this firstborn because it was going to be Regina, and he knew why and he even admitted that he her future was important to him right and he said that was his gift is the future in a manner of speaking but the firstborn child thing makes me wonder well we know why he wanted this firstborn child because it was going to be regina he'd foreseen that in a vision that would be regina but then makes me wonder similar to uh, our listener maddie um makes us wonder about this contract with Cinderella, like question that again. And Maddie wrote this email in saying, I have a question or theory somewhat relating to this episode, The Miller's Daughter. I noticed that Cinderella's deal with Rumpelstiltskin was similar to Cora's deal with Rumpelstiltskin. So I wonder if Cinderella's baby is somehow important to Rumpel, or is it just because the baby kind of inadvertently leads gold to his son? It does. And yeah, that's... (laughs) I think one of the main things that I realized from this episode, rewatching this a couple times, is I may have been functioning on the assumption that from the beginning, Rumpel has foreseen everything. Which is not the case. He's seen yeah. it in puzzle pieces. Right. So what he saw, I mean, he may have seen a vision 28 years later that he didn't know would take place 28 years ago. Um, so I'm saying, like he he hasn't known the entire future from the beginning, and I've mm-hmm. I've realized I've been kind of operating on that idea. So like at this point with Cora, he may not have known that there would even be Emma someday or anything like that. But maybe by the time that Cinderella came around, he had a vision of he needed a baby in order to get Emma in an agreement because huh. jump to Storybrooke, yeah. he did refer to having seen Cora having seen his almost death in a vision. Hmm. But we don't know when he saw that vision. He knows what to ask for of people um, to get them, to inspire them to want to break deals with him. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. He's very, very manipulative. He is. In getting people, like getting Emma to go to the prison cell by telling her there's squidding there and that'll help you. And the whole point of her getting her there was so that she'd see the paper. Or even... Asking Mary Margaret for a warmer blanket from yeah. the cabinet. Yeah, exactly. And all he wanted was for her to see the candle. And since they were conspiring, he could have just said, hey, well, open he that plays, cabinet. He plays with words. <laughs> yeah. So that he can so that he can honestly say that he said nothing, he did nothing. He mm-hmm. he, he does that. He's so yeah, that's true. crafty with words. Like he just plays with words. Or look at the finale of season one. He got Emma to go kill the dragon and bring up the magic, the true love magic potion, just so he could use that to bring magic back. And it had nothing to do with what Emma needed. Mm-hmm. And so he he's manipulating all of these situations. Yeah. He is a master at manipulating master people. Master manipulator. That's Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> and that was like the only time he actually lied to do it. That finale. Saying <laughs> Regina had left. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, I think that we know hmm. that we've seen. 
So then it's the day before Cora's wedding, and she's in this this dress. Yeah, I love, I love the irony of her statement that brides have to be Snow White, <laughs> and Rumpelstiltskin's response was hilarious. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, I don't think I got the sound clip. His laugh was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, brides have to be Snow White. <laughs> when you see the future, there's irony everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of hidden humor in this episode, I felt like. Jane Espenson is a great writer. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my best TV show writers. Or one of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Your best. He works for you. That's amazing. <laughs> One of, I was trying to say one of my favorite and oh. one of the best in my opinion, but they just kind of merged together. <laughs> That's awesome. She's my best writer. She writes all my emails, too. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Where were we? That, that complete, oh, yeah. Day before the wedding. Um, oh, well, actually stepping back a little bit. So because I just realized we skipped a bit. Did we? Um, yeah. Oh, I, I jumped down in my notes. Spinning thing. Yeah, the spinning thing. And a lot of people... Have you seen the movie Ghost, Jenny, Jeremy? Have you seen the movie no. Ghost? Well... Is that the one with Patrick Swayze? I think so. They like to play in various things, famous scenes from it. Well, yeah, a lot of people in the chat room is saying, yes, that's the one with Patrick Swayze. None of us have seen it. But I heard a lot of the other Once Upon a Time podcasters, like Jeff and Colleen from the Fan Podcast and Brie and Alex from uh, Other Side of the Mirror and others, refer to the whole scene of Rumpel helping Cora mm-hmm. spin was very similar to a scene from Ghost. Hmm. And just kind of, it was, you know, it was, it was super uh, creepy. creepy and passionate and uh, lustful and like yeah. a whole bunch of odd things going on at it the was same evil time. not yeah. to mention his scales the crocodile his yes. makeup looked really bad in this episode well, true especially too. for that scene that one scene his makeup looks really bad it looked almost like they had already been kissing and it had rubbed off of his nose yeah and, well, <laughs> and his eyelids were bare too yeah around his eyelids and even his forehead a little bit and we i i noticed that too i thought oh, makeup department kind of Got a little shy there. They do refine the way he looks as time goes by. But not necessarily in a linear way. But uh, Debbie did, uh, one of our listeners, Debbie said, Did anyone notice Rumpel's makeup in the Enchanted Forest scenes? It seemed a little less than complete around his eyes and the end of his nose. And I would add to that his forehead. Uh, especially in this scene, the, this uh, second scene up there in the castle, when he's teaching Cora how to spend the. Uh, straw into gold. Debbie said, could that be because he was becoming emotionally attached to Cora? Later, when Belle kissed him, he started to lose his ugly d- dark one look. It's possible, but it wasn't. I'm not sure that curses just break gradually with the feelings of probably not true love. It wasn't <laughs> communicated clearly. If, yeah. if that's what was happening, it wasn't communicated very clearly. Mm-hmm. I think it was just uh, a makeup whoopsie. Now, it was some. It was during this scene that, again, rewatching, we all. Well, at least I know. At the end, I started to think, feel sorry for Cora and Regina, and think all she needed was her heart. Well, she had her heart here, mm-hmm. and he's talking about 
you know, <laughs> basically... Let's commit adultery together. Well, even not even that. Like it, Before that. The, oh. the ripping veins with oh, his teeth. Yeah. And she's sitting there smiling. She's like, yes. She's, she's a bitter, angry yes. woman. So, she was born evil. <laughs> she wasn't made. She was born that way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. Wait. Um, <laughs> I think... I'm just not convinced that her heart would have made Regina enough. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, she seems... Or you mean made Cora? No, oh, I... Oh, no, yeah, I yeah. see what you mean. Yeah, I think I she think... would have been happy choosing love. I think she would have been happy eventually. I mean, Maybe. I think they would have been, like, dark, you know, weird, happy people. But <laughs> <laughs> together, they would have been dark, weird, and happy. Well, yeah, she... She made the choice toward darkness and then removed the possibility of the no, choice by removing power. Her. Or, yeah, power. She chose mm. power, which I think if she had chosen love, she would mm. have been different. Maybe she would have liked. She'd been vastly different. Teeth ripping veins a little less. Well, Rumpel, a little. <laughs> Rumpel told her, "Don't stop till they're on their knees," yeah. and she referred to. Um, wanting the people to bow to her because of their insolence. Now, that word insolence stood out to me because the king at the dance, when the king was dancing with her, he called her an insolent girl. And it also reminded me of back in season one in the episode, The Stable Boy, when Regina was being held by the magic of Cora at the beginning of the episode, The Stable Boy. And Regina was saying, Mother, stop it. I, You know I hate it when you use magic. Mm-hmm. And Cora said, I hate insolence. So I love that they tied that together in something that just really grates at Cora. And uh, the reason why she wants other people to basically bow before her. She's mm-hmm. got a pride issue. Yeah. That's Cora. Yeah. In a nutshell. Much. She's got a pride <laughs> issue. And it comes from her anger from growing up with a drunk. <laughs> or maybe I just summed up Cora. Pretty much. <laughs> maybe her father's drunk because of something else. Mm. So she spins the straw to gold, and then the prince Henry uh, proposes to her, and she says, "Yeah, she'll marry him." So it's you may remember the TV show Heroes was save the cheerleader, save the world. Ugh. I think from this we can get the <laughs> tagline. Spin the straw, marry the prince. <laughs> no. But, but no. so she does that. And we have no idea then how much time has actually passed between that and her wedding day. So maybe a lot more time that she and Rumpel have spent together with Rumpel teaching her more and more magic things, giving her the book and some of that. I think that happens later when I don't th- I think that happens later. Either that or he taught her all, all of that in one day. Because remember, he was he was saying, uh, she was like, well, in that case, I'll do it tonight. Right. Because he said, I'll out. show you everything. And then she said, well, in that yeah. case, I'll do it tonight. That was really, and did she, was her own heart the first one she took? Probably. Did they go practice on some peasants? They probably practiced well, on some Causing like, them unicorns. to fall down, <laughs> as they do. See, their deal, though, was... Unicorns. Their original deal was he would teach her yeah. magic. He amended, the, he you know did a little magic on the contract in the beginning. And he said that he would teach her magic because she was a spicy one. <laughs> <laughs> His words, not mine. I don't want to call her young Cora anymore. I just want to call her spicy Cora. <laughs> spicy Cora. <laughs> 
but he said he would do that then in exchange for her firstborn. Well, then it's the day before the wedding that he changes it to his firstborn instead of, but still she would get the same benefit and that is learning magic. So had he not met Mila by this? No, he'd have to have. Yeah. This so is, at this point he's lost Bay. Yeah. This is 200 years at least after he lost Bay. Oh yeah. Cause he's about 300 <laughs> years old. So, so I wonder if part of this is he wow, saw a vision. 300 and he's still being cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he saw a vision of this and, uh, and of Regina being Cora's daughter and realizing he would need Regina. And so he must have, at some point, maybe he made the assumption, oh, maybe Regina is actually my daughter. And so he starts because details are missing from his visions of the future mm-hmm. he starts thinking i need to teach cora magic so that then we can teach regina magic and regina will cast this spell for me and he's misunderstanding what the actual events would be so he's going along following an interpretation of his vision right i mean that's that's one way to kind of explain it so when he changed the contract did he change it to his firstborn or to his child he said instead of just With some her. random firstborn, his... Right. I think he did, did say his... Because... I think he said child. instead of some random child. Yeah. How about my child? Yeah. Because he didn't say my firstborn. No, but he did say my... Okay. Yeah. Because I was just like, what? The contract means she owes him bay, which <laughs> is impossible. That makes no sense. But I think the implication was if he had a child with her, that's what she would owe him. Yeah, so so she doesn't fulfill that part of the agreement. I mean, that was part of their agreement. So does he still have to teach her magic? No, I don't think so, because their contract is now nulled and void in a sense. But maybe he continues teaching her magic after this, or maybe, like Jenny said, he taught it all in one day. Yeah, that would be really quick. Or gave her the book, at least. Or she came back to him. To collect on their deal at some point after she was married. How did that conversation, that very first conversation between Regina and Rumpel go when she referenced, when she called him, when she talked about how she knew about him? Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, he said, I knew you when you were more, when you were smaller, more portable. Right. So, so he, we haven't seen this yet. Yeah. So yeah. they are going to meet again. Yeah. So he must have been around maybe to come back and say, hey, let's go. Let's do our original de- deal again. I'll She's continue probably to teach like, you. no way. Teach me magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this book. Just blow on the pages. <laughs> so still back at the scene, uh, just the day before the wedding, Cora said that she was fifth in line to be queen. So we we struggled a little bit with this idea, and one of our listeners from Georgia called in to uh, teach us a little bit about lines of succession. And um, there's also a link that I'll include in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 88 that will explain lines of succession a little bit more in oh. the royal way. But there are several different methods of lines of succession. Sometimes it is bloodline. Sometimes it's a little bit different. But our caller from Georgia mentioned one potential way that explains how she's fifth in line to be queen. Not necessarily the fifth lady to be queen, but the fifth in line and she'll be queen. And one way that she explained this, our caller explained it as there's the king 
uh, Xavier, he dies, then his wife would be, I mean, let me back up before I continue on, say that fifth in line to be queen, meaning to be the ruler, the main ruler, maybe that was her point. So oh, like the like king. without a king or right or in charge in charge basically okay. yeah so so the king dies then uh, the king would have to die then his wife then a childless older brother to Henry then Henry then Cora but not quite depending on which particular rules of succession it would not go to Cora it would go to Regina the daughter. Mm because it has to go through bloodline. Generally, most of the line of succession models are through bloodline. That's a lot of bloodshed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she did say that. Yeah. Also, our listener from Georgia also reminded us of back in the episode, The Stable Boy, when Leopold and Snow were coming through and when Regina saved Snow. That whole incident our listener from Georgia reminded us that Leopold was passing through. So Leopold right. may have been from the Northern Kingdom, which is closer to around the kingdoms we're more familiar with, like Prince Charming, King George, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And where where Regina and Cora and Henry were living at that time of the Stable Boy episode was closer to the Southern Kingdom. So it explains how Cora and Henry had such a nice place but that she wasn't actually royalty. Right. Exactly. And and he is royalty technically, but not like a king. Right. Per se. Yeah, if he became a king, he would she would be a queen too. But if he died like back to the lines of a succession thing, depending on which model they're following, most likely Regina or the daughter, the the offspring would take rulership instead of the queen well it there are different models so you know, we can't really say which one they're following they it, basically have to just tell us yeah. when it matters yeah what was going to happen <laughs> it could be that there were four older brothers who also had wives or it could be this um model that our listener from georgia recommended there there are multiple ways that it could be but basically she realized she's in a line to become queen and it sounds like she has in mind to shed that blood in order to become queen. Except then she was kind of like, you know, it might be easier. Love. Maybe <laughs> we should just be in love and I'll give up on the queen thing. But I don't know. It's kind of like, well, so if you were, if there was a good chance you were going to become queen, you'd forget love so that you could have that power but since it's kind of a long shot anyway so i guess she is actually looking for happiness more than power she just ends up generally thinking mm-hmm. that power is what will bring her that more than love i think her pride and her hatred for people who treat her the wrong way mm-hmm. kind of overrides her want to love true yeah yeah she's she's not a nice lady she's at all. not hate and love don't go well together no because after all she did say she wanted to learn how to pull out someone's heart and crush it in front of their eyes yeah so this was her idea is that what i understand from this episode yeah she suggested that but rumple has already done that years before with mila oh remember? yeah oh yeah what is that fate <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like 
As it happens, that is also something I like doing. I can teach you this. When I'm not spinning, I like pulling out hearts and crushing them in front of the eyes of my victims. <laughs> you and I are just on the same wavelength. This is great. That is why they made such a great couple. <laughs> it's odd how much trouble I'm having keeping track of the timeline because it's so far back in Cora's history. It's almost difficult to remember that it's really relatively recent in Rumpel's history. Mm-hmm. And this is yet still after the Jiminy Cricket and Geppetto incident. Oh, yeah. Which is about 60 years before the curse. This is maybe 30-ish years before the curse. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Because Regina is born nine months after most of the events, or we assume about nine months or a year after most of the events that we see in this episode. There are a lot of people in this show that are really old for one reason or another, Mm -hmm. like Jiminy. (laughs) He just spent life as a cricket that would live long enough to help Geppetto, mm-hmm. however long that might be. Yeah. So uh, a big question that we've received a lot of feedback on is why didn't Rumple start turning into a normal man when he and Cora kissed? Because that's not true love. That's a good question. And uh, one of our listeners... Um, gross, bibli- violent love. <laughs> bibliophile Emily suggested that maybe he didn't really love her um, or maybe it was a difference between love and true love yeah exactly they had some kind of love but it was like severely tainted mm-hmm. by bloodlust among other things and it's interesting to see that it was the king xavier who was the first to call love weakness yeah. Which, if Cora and Rumpelstiltskin spend more time together after this, then she probably said something very sim- similar to him. Because he, several times, has used the phrase and mentioned that love is weakness. Hmm. But I don't remember hearing that from him before this, like around the time of Mila and Hook in the Enchanted Forest. Probably not. Yeah. He probably hadn't really decided that fully. Yeah, I tried going back then. To find out, uh, did he say it? Because I didn't remember anything, but I couldn't find anything while I was skipping through episodes about it. And uh, the the thing that then came down to the big decision for Cora was a choice between love and power, which is the same choice Rumpelstiltskin made when he lost Bay. Same choice Rumpelstiltskin made when he lost Belle. And a choice we see so often in this. Even Cora made that choice again in Storybrooke when the dagger was on the floor and Regina was being held by Emma. Then Neil said, uh, you know, it's one or the other. And Mm -hmm. she chose power. Mm -hmm. So she took out her own heart because she saw it as a liability that she could at some point have emotions and feel something for someone or be distracted by what her heart wanted to do and yet she seemed to be tearing up while she was talking with him yeah a little bit yeah maybe maybe her heart like maybe she was still filled with a little bit of emotion Mm -hmm. since it was so like freshly plucked (laughs) 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 maybe it had some like residue aroma heart residue (laughs) (laughs) and in our forums they've been really active talking about well, uh, what 
kind of emotions can be had without a heart because she does still have negative emotions. Right. I was just wondering, where do they suppose those are centered? What organ would you have to pull out to make somebody happy and lovey all the time? Or even remember that Graham had some... Sorry, people, I mentioned him. (laughs) The gallbladder. If you rip someone's gallbladder out and it's enchanted and glowing, they won't be able to feel hate anymore. Graham kind of had emotions. Maybe some level of true love for Emma. Some level of... But I don't think it was really like... Just love. Maybe not true love. Enough that a kiss would make him remember things. Yeah, it didn't really... Well, it kind of did break his curse. Mm-hmm. It, it did. It, it did. It did. Remember, <laughs> you're torturing the we, chat room. <laughs> We're like, stop the name. Graham, Graham, Graham. Back then, we we joked way back in episode seven of our podcast when we just seen that episode of Once Upon a Time, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. We joked about is Emma going to have to go around kissing people to wake yeah. them up? <laughs> All right. And she did. Well, kiss it was just you. one person she kiss had to kiss. For you. She just needed to set up a kissing booth right in the middle. Curse breaking slash kissing booth. That would have been a clever ruse to break the curse for everybody or for a lot of people. Come see me. She could stage a fair, have a kissing booth. But thankfully, a mother's kiss on the forehead did what was needed. No Mm -hmm. fair required. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of mother's kiss on the forehead, sometimes you can't be there with your family or friends when you want to enjoy something (laughs) together. And that's why I recommend our sponsor, Simul TV, that you can check out at oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L-T-V. Yes, I am always looking for a segue, a proper segue into (laughs) this. You can break curses via Simul TV. (laughs) Yes. Simul TV is an awesome service that, from the name, you probably get this idea that it's simultaneous television. Any device with a browser, not just your TV, but it could be your smart TV, your iPad, your phone, your tablet, your computer, any kind of device that has a browser on it, you can connect to Simul TV and watch entertainment in real time with your family or friends. And even more than that, you can see them on the screen. So you get picture in picture and you can see each other's reactions to the shows. You can talk back and forth during the commercials or even during the sn- the shows, smack talk <laughs> each other while you're watching a sports game or talk about, hey, I want to buy that when you're watching the shopping channel together. You know, good family times. But Simul TV is that awesome service that allows you to watch family, watch entertainment with family and friends as if they're in the same room with you. You've got to check it out. Go to oncepodcast.com slash S slash S I M U L T V. That's oncepodcast.com slash simul TV to test drive the next evolution in entertainment. It's an awesome service. I really think you're going to like it to check it out and look for the entertainment that you enjoy on there. And there's new content being added all the time. So make sure that you sign up early, sign up and try it often. It will be really cool. And we may even get to use it for one of our things that we'll do someday in the future. So check it out at oncepodcast.com slash simul TV. That's oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L TV. And thank you so much, Simul TV, for sponsoring One's Podcast. We really appreciate it. Now let's move on to Storybrooke. It starts out with the ship. Now, yeah, there there are two ways of looking at this, I think. Uh, looking at I the think invisible there's only ship. one way. What's the one way that you're thinking? Actually, if it's invisible, you can't look at it at all. But. 
It was like the Star Wars moment when they were like in warp speed. <laughs> oh, I get it. You're saying was it cloaked or was it warping? No. Um, what I was actually thinking oh. is I don't think the ship became uncloaked. I think it remained cloaked. Oh. But what we saw was the feel the the viewpoint changed to inside of the oh, ship. We Remember? went inside the cloak. Yeah, and see. Silly me, until this moment, I forgot that it cloaked, and so I was thinking, that's how it moves so fast. It was like in some form of hyperspace, and that was it materializing. No, no, that was it becoming visible, which hmm, I wanted to see it move fast, and I wanted to see how it moves fast, and just how fast it moves. Or it's enchanted wood. I know, but I thought that that was a scene how it was fast but it wasn't now that you say it i realize i was wrong about what they were trying to show us yeah what didn't quite make sense to me also is why would they uncloak the ship i feel like i'm talking about star trek (laughs) (laughs) but why would they uncloak the ship randomly like that and how would they uncloak it see it it's magic well i think it's we entered the viewpoint the viewer entered that field and so just like when i think so too in the episode tiny it was still invisible when Mm -hmm. they got there yeah because like there was no ship there when they got to storybrook so probably only cora can uncloak the ship Uh, just like probably only cora can make tiny a giant again i don't i think it takes magic and people who can wield magic can do it yeah yeah that they can undo it. That's kind of what I meant. That I mean, like, Neil and a dying Rumpelstiltskin and Emma couldn't just uncloak the ship. Right. But inside the ship, Emma uh, went to Mr. Gold, and he's dying, and basically offers that, oh, you'd probably like to see me die, because if I'm controlled, I could kill all of you. And that's when Emma says, You're Henry's grandfather. We're family now. I'm going to save you. She doesn't sound too happy about that. I was going to say, she sounds super pumped. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The look on her face actually made it more touching-ish than it sounded. Yeah. Yeah, she actually looked kind of sympathetic. Right? mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think also a little bit slightly annoyed, maybe. Probably, but, you know. That thinking, we're family. Yeah, I'm going to save you because that's what I do. She's like... Is there anybody in this town that isn't Henry's family, therefore (laughs) keeping me from letting them die? (laughs) And then we switch to Mary Margaret and David having a conversation on their phones. Did you notice what she was holding? No. Snow was holding an apple. Uh Oh, (laughs) funny. What I noticed was apparently Emma's stunt double walking right in front of David. It was the weirdest thing because suddenly Uh, there's this blonde woman in this jacket dressed just like Emma. And for a second, it's like... Wait, she's on a ship. Yeah, Emma (laughs) just walked past David and didn't say anything. (laughs) Anyway. On the flip side was this phone call that then (laughs) Cora and Regina were listening into. It's... It's the best. It was one of my favorite Once Upon a Time moments <laughs> ever. I don't like what that enchanted box was saying. I'm not, I'm not wicked. <laughs> Even right before that, the way she just kind of knocks the speaker <laughs> off the desk. Like, who does that? A three-year-old. And she just, bap. <laughs> Barely any movement at all. Just, ah. <laughs> it was great. What Cora said uh, there at... Regina's office. Cora said that when Rumpel dies, all the power dies with him. And she used the phrase, it boils off into the air. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder. No, it's not a literal is boiling. That, is that really true? Does it die with him? So, like, if if he does die, if he were to die, and someone didn't kill him. Well, Hook killed him, but not with his dagger. Yeah, and Hook killed him when he was vulnerable yeah. outside of Storybrooke. Oh, do you think he's not vulnerable inside Storybrooke? I think, well, yeah, inside of Storybrooke, he's not, because he's the Dark One. But when why he's do healed, you say that? But um, Because he doesn't seem Dark One-ish in Storybrooke. Right. But he does have all his powers. I don't he think just he's doesn't look like it. True. I don't think he's... I don't think he's completely the dark one in Storybrooke. Because if he were, he'd have gold skin. Maybe that's just something that somehow didn't carry over in this way. Hmm. That's possible. Something about the power of the dagger. But the, the reason why he's dying here is because he was injured outside of Storybrooke when his guard was down. And it's some kind of magical poison or something that Hook made. And so it's been wearing on him since then. So when he comes into Storybrooke, he's too weak to use magic. Hmm. Cora had even referred to the fact that um, they can't use him. In the same conversation in Regina's mayor's office, Cora said that they can't use him. Cora will just have to become the Dark One herself. <laughs> because She loves power. Without yeah. her heart, she yeah. has this lust for power and and it's never enough now do you think that was really the first moment she thought of becoming the dark one no no i think it's been her plan all along and regina seemed to confront her on that a little bit Mm -hmm. when she was like well what what is is the the point yeah 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 i think ever since Maybe there was some other conflict that Cora and Rumpelstiltskin had back in uh, Enchanted Forest. So maybe ever since then, Cora has been after Rumpel's power. Hmm. Maybe. It seemed for a while that Regina wanted to be more powerful than Rumpel. I recall the words from him, you're never going to beat me. Yeah, that was in Skin Deep, at the end of Skin Deep. So when... um. And we drove a ship. Oh, that's not yeah. what you're going. <laughs> that's the next we'll thing I wrote down. I'm like, hey, Henry drove a ship. How cool is that? <laughs> Cora again referred to the fact that she did not want to spend the rest of her life on her knees in front of right. Rumpelstiltskin. And do you think this is all tied back to that one little incident? Like all of her bitterness is tied back to that one little incident with Ava back in Enchanted Forest? It's probably a collection of things. That's probably when it... When it came to a head. It's a good way to summarize what it feels like to be the Miller's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Nice. So then Henry gets off the ship. And which, by the way, (laughs) I just realized was visible there in Storybrooke. I didn't notice. I didn't notice the ship in Storybrooke. When they were at the dock and Henry got out and he said, I drove a ship. I didn't notice the ship was was right behind them. So I saw funny. modern day ships. I didn't see the Jolly Roger as I mm. looked for it. Well, let's get a screenshot oh, for, for that. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Neil, or rather, Henry was so quick to call Neil his dad. Mm-hmm. Henry is just like, hey, this is my dad. This is my dad. My dad taught me. Because he's 
he's not angry at his dad. If he was, he'd be like, oh, this is Neil. And guess what? This My is dad Emma. doesn't lie. My dad. <laughs> at least that I know of. My yet. dad's not like pizza. <laughs> No, no, my dad, like pizza. my dad and pizza are like, they oh. don't like. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm saying if we, if we ever got angry, but, like, you're not like that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but when they discuss this plan briefly, and just before Henry goes off with Ruby, so Ruby can protect him, Henry almost seems like he's starting to have a little bit of faith in Emma again, because mm-hmm. he says this. Don't look so worried. You'll stop Cora. You won't let her get away. You know, I wrote that down and I thought, is Henry, is is this like an evolving power that he has to see the future? Like, she's magic and maybe he's got magic too and, and it's his ability mm. to mm. see the future maybe? I think he just believes, I think. Well, it just hit me as weird, that's all. Yeah, I don't know. I if it happens, I called it. <laughs> I can't see that happening because even if the future scene ability was generational and uh, hereditary, Rumpelstiltskin had Bay quite mm-hmm. a bit before having the future scene abilities. I'm not saying that it's, you know... Right, well, I'm just saying I can't see that coming I'm, from anywhere else. Well... Snow and Charming didn't have any magical abilities, and Emma does, so it wouldn't really surprise me if Henry came up with a whole bunch of new (laughs) abilities that Emma didn't have. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm thinking. It's possible. I I can't really see it happening from this, but I I do think he probably has some kind of magical ability. If it happens, I called it. (laughs) (laughs) Heard it here first. Okay. (laughs) Now, I like when they... They took Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold to his shop and they're gathering there kind of like the Alamo. Even right before that, mm-hmm. if we can go back to the dock. First of all, Mary's Mary, Mary Margaret states very quickly something about killing Cora. I can't remember the exact wording. So I just want everybody to know that for the rest of this podcast, I shall be referring to her as murderous Mary Margaret <laughs> or 3M. <laughs> And then some of the things that we discussed before about how Cora kind of does need to die and they wouldn't have had much of a problem if it were in battle. And why is this such a big deal? David did explain that in one sentence. Mm-hmm. He said, I have zero problem with Cora dying, but not by your hand and not out of vengeance. And yeah. that's just, that's, I, I think we kind of worked our way around to that, but they did actually say this is kind of why it's a big deal for Snow. Yeah. I mean, murderous Mary Margaret. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. If you say Mary Margaret without the murderous part, I'm going to, I'm going to point it out. Okay. <laughs> so then at Mr. Gold's shop and treating it kind of like the Alamo, Mr. Gold, <laughs> I think his only reason for wanting to get back to Storybrook is knowing that he had the candle and knowing what he'd have to do with it. Again, manipulating the situation, mm-hmm. which he does so often. Well, he doesn't want to die. Yeah. That's why and, it doesn't. That's well, I mean, why I instead of just telling it. everyone, "Hey, there's a candle back at Storybrook. We need that candle." He told them. Well, actually, it was Emma who said, "There's magic in Storybrook that would heal him." But yeah, I think he implied that. He let them work. He lets people come to their own conclusions and just kind of prods them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had that candle, and it's the same candle, same design. As the one that Snow had. And he said... I think it's the same candle. Yeah, probably. It could be. 
Because, um, yeah, I wonder where it went. Snow, or uh, not Snow, Rumple said that he had this for a rainy day. <laughs> Do you remember the other things that he was saving for a rainy day? No. True love potion. Yeah. He referred to that oh. twice. He said it in the finale in season one, um, A Land Without Magic. He said it when he gave it to David to hide inside of Maleficent the dragon. And then also in Storybrooke, he told Emma and Regina, lucky for you, I happen to have bottled some. I was saving it for a rainy day. Right. Yeah, so so he, he's been saving a bunch of things for rainy days, supposedly, but I think he's pretty good at predicting the weather. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Neil recognized that Emma was magical, but that was just before, a pickup line. That was before she <laughs> cast the curse or cast the spell to protect the um yeah, the shot. I just, Maybe I because... love I love how they just kind of resume like their playful jabs at each other. Like it's as if they <laughs> they haven't even been apart for very long. They just they're just themselves around each other. It's so fun. Well, he apologized for surprising her with Tamara. Yeah. And she said, you think I care that a guy I dated a decade ago is engaged? Well, here's yeah. my question. Does she care? She yeah. probably does. And she had a kid with him. Do they you, had a connection. Yeah. <laughs> and they robbed convenience stores together. Yeah. <laughs> they pretended to be pregnant together. <laughs> Do you think that Neil has some emotional attachment still to probably. her? Probably. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why the heck would he get engaged if... You know, he asked Pinocchio to tell him when she was going to be free. Maybe he didn't ask. Well, yeah, he did. He, he did. said, he, yeah, at yeah. the end of Tallahassee, he said, when all of this madness is over and she does her job. So yeah. why? And August said, I'll send you a postcard. So did he want maybe to know simply because he wanted to know think- when his father might be coming after him? No, I think it was because he loved her and he wanted to be with her. Maybe. He and said that if he'd known who she was, he would have run the other way. Right. And At he that point, she didn't. Or didn't, he didn't, actually. Well, run didn't the other her. way when... I think he was referring to when he first met right, her. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, no, that's what I mean. So, if he was so dead set on never seeing his father again, he couldn't have a relationship with somebody from their world. Hmm. So once he knew who Emma was, I'm not sure that he really, I don't know, maybe he did want to see her again. It seems like both of them are holding on to a little bit of feeling because of this scene. And we may see that develop more in future episodes. I'm sure we will see that develop or go the opposite direction, separate them. I want to see them together. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, many people wonder, well, where's Hook? Well, he's probably going to make his way back into things. Slowly. Yeah. He was at Paley Fest with the rest of the cast, so I kind of doubt they're finished with Hook as a character. <laughs> yeah, they just left him, you know, tied <laughs> up in a closet somewhere. And Hook <laughs> lived in a closet and lived happily ever after. <laughs> oh, my. That's his happy ending. <laughs> in a closet in Manhattan. Or he died. <laughs> Now, Gold wanted Cora dead. Mary Margaret wanted Cora dead. So they had the same end goal in mind. 
And it's, it was interesting that Mary Margaret, murderous Mary Margaret, <laughs> actually considered killing Rumpelstiltskin while letting she could. Him, letting him die. Yeah. Just letting him die is what she yeah. said. Um, now, the interesting, I think that she doesn't really have a grudge against him. He's just kind of a, a scourge, an annoyance, a, a thorn in her flesh, not really someone she has reason to seek revenge on them, like she does with Cora. Mm-hmm. But then Inma comes in, and Gold gets her to use magic to cast the spell. And he describes the uh, how to use magic. And I want to compare these with how he described it with Emma to how he originally described it with Cora. So here's what he said to Emma. Stop thinking. Conjuring magic is not an intellectual endeavor. It's emotion. You must ask yourself, why am I doing this? Who am I protecting? Feel it. But then back in Enchanted Forest, compare that to what he said to Korra. You just need to stop thinking about it. Magic is about emotion. Summon up that moment that made you so angry, you would have killed if you could. So I think there's a slight connection between both of them is the idea of you would have killed if you could. And that's the extreme side of protection is... I would kill someone if I have to in order to protect this person. That like extreme uh, emotion there, but there. I don't think that's what the message was behind that. Right. Um, The main thing is. I mean, I'm saying that's a minor connection between the two. But the main thing is. I think the the connection is that they are on. They are polar opposites Mm -hmm. of each other. Yeah. And that's what makes them. So different. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in our initial reactions, we talked about this too because love Emma, and hate. Emma's magic is out of true love. Yeah. And Rumpelstiltskin and Cora's magic is out of hate. And so is Regina's magic. It's out of hate as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just sees like like uh, which 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 side of the scale a person is on, and he just figures, well, it's easier for them to obtain magic from this side of the scale, closer to hate than it would be for them to love. Yeah. So maybe he just uses what's there. Maybe. He is, he's been around for a very long time. So he's been able to see people, see how they react and see the future to know somewhat what people will become to some degree. So yeah, he can know which direction to push them like Jeremy referenced earlier. And I think that that protection spell that Emma cast seemed very similar to the spell or whatever happened when Cora tried to take Emma's heart in the episode, The Queen of Hearts. It was that, uh, that wave of like clear energy coming out of her. Yeah. It, yeah. Hmm. She sort almost looked like she enjoyed it or I was maybe proud of it. Or I couldn't tell if she was like, hey, it worked or... Hey, I'm thinking about how much I love all of my family that I'm protecting right now, and I feel like they're very safe. Or if it was magic. I couldn't tell. Yeah, it's a slight smile. Could be all of those things. Or the, um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just the pride of a job well done. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's actually how I look 
every time I think I have a job well done, I just, yeah. I look a little high. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> when Cora and Regina were then fighting together, broke down the barrier, come into the shop, and everybody's got swords. I noticed Neil's sword is a kind of cutlass, and it looks a little bit piratey. piratey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, why doesn't Mary Margaret have her bows and her bow and arrows? That is her weapon of choice. Did she even have a weapon? Um, she, <laughs> her feet, well, her bow and arrow, which she did have Gotta in go. Storybrook at one point. <laughs> I still would like to see the mechanics inside the shop of how that worked. Like, yep, guys, I'm right here standing shoulder to shoulder with you against these evil women coming through the door. I'm just going to sneak out. <laughs> Nobody's loudly. noticing. I'm sneaking. I'm like behind the glass cases. Now I'm out the door. I don't even know how. Maybe she cloaked. Mm. Maybe she, yeah. <laughs> it was it was magical. Well, clearly neither Snow nor Cora had any reason to suspect that Mary Margaret was going for the heart. Neither Snow nor Cora? Yeah. Had any reason I mean, neither to... <laughs> Regina nor Cora. Well, now that I think about it, they weren't there for Snow. They weren't mm-hmm. there for anybody except for Gold, so... It, it would have been fine. Like, okay, less one less person to fight. Well, they threw <laughs> Cora threw David, or Cora and Regina. Regina threw David out of the shop. Then Cora closed the door behind. Did you see how she did that? She did that kind of like a puppet. Yeah, and she just—that's cool. Like oh, look! Cool. I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would toss wheel around all the time. Regina also attacked Emma first. Regina was the, fired the first shot, and it was at Emma. That's when Charming stepped in front. Clearly, Regina and Emma, I think, are even after this episode, they're going to have some major rivalry going forward, and especially Snow and Regina as well, because Regina is going to turn all evil queen, I'm sure of that. Snow killed her mother. And so the direction this can go is only seeking revenge on those people. Maybe Rumpelstiltskin will be involved too, or maybe he'll be kind of standoffish. Hmm. Well, speaking of being involved, huge thanks to those who are involved in the podcast and support us with donations to help make this podcast possible. David Newland and Rebecita have uh, donated to make this episode possible, as well as Malcor. Now, you may remember Malcor from the episode Manhattan, and I mentioned a forum post that he had where he said that he was done with Once Upon a Time. Well, he sponsored one's podcast for several more episodes, and he wanted to sponsor with a special message <laughs> that uh, I took the liberty of writing for him. Malcor, who was previously so adamant about Once Upon a Time being dead to him, but the Miller's daughter reignited the magic in his heart, and he has ripped out his own heart so <laughs> that he can now be 100% back into Once Upon a Time. <laughs> you you wrote that for him? Yes, I did. Okay, does he... <laughs> he, he wanted a message. He wanted to sponsor okay. with a message and tell, let the community know he's now back on board with Once Upon a Time because of this episode of Once Upon a Time. Not sure he wanted you to communicate to the world that he is now heartless. <laughs> But that'll do. He pulled out his heart and gave it to Once Upon a Time. Aww. That's that's what he means. <clears throat> well, I don't like the sound of that. So, <laughs> top that, everybody. <laughs> top that. He's going to send it to us, mail it to us, P.O. Box 739. His heart? Yeah. I don't want it. Covered in chocolate? Ooh. Maybe. I will <laughs> take the chocolate. But. He'll mail it to us at Once Podcast at P.O. Box 739. 
Burlington, Kentucky, 41005, which, by the way, I've got a package here that I keep meaning to mention oh. a shout-out to Victor, who sent in a package of chocolates. What? Now, chocolates? I'd already taken the liberty of there splitting this inside, in half. So the rest of the cho- these chocolates are yours, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, that's even baby better Ruth. news. Baby Ruth bars. Thank you, They heard Victor. that I love Baby Ruth, I think. I'm going to eat so, them now. <laughs> so thank Not you so really. much, Victor. And thank you, thank David. You. Rebecca and Malcor for sponsoring this episode of Once Podcast. If anyone else would like to sponsor an episode, it really helps because our expenses have more than doubled for hosting the podcast. So every bit really helps. And you can even sign up to automatically contribute a certain amount per month. So if you're interested in helping us in that way, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. So getting back to Once Upon a Time... Um, Gold made that dramatic call to Bell. Oh, and it's wow. even better the second time. Yeah. yeah. She was crying. He was crying. Neil was crying. Emma was crying. We were crying. Malcor was crying. Right. Everybody was crying. She cried. Could mm-hmm. it be at least a step toward loving him? And if she loves him and he kisses her, could she get her memory back? Maybe. We... I put this theory out there before that maybe he has to earn her heart back again, and then they would kiss, and then she'd wake up, just like Charming had to do with Snow back in the episode Heart of Darkness. And uh, this, in his call to Belle, he said that uh, Belle finds goodness in others, and when it's not there, she creates it. And the creators, Kitsis and Horowitz, have hinted at this a little bit too, of Bell's kind of special ability is to see the good in people. That's how she saw yes. the good in Rumpel. That's how she saw the good in even the monster, the uh, Yagoi. Yagoi. Thing. Yeah, the monster. Philip. Yeah, and, and others that she saw goodness in them. And that's how she saw in gold the person that nobody could love. Mm-hmm. Which now we know maybe why he felt that way. Yeah, true. But you this can't love me. <laughs> he said, "Gold said that he's full of love." <laughs> that that was I'm a little full of love. That was <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> yes, it was kind of odd. It's like really. Oh, I'm full of love. I'm full of love. It sounds like it's <laughs> a Valentine's Day thing to say. <laughs> I'm sounds, full of love. It's some sort of thing. He's like. Oh, I'm full of love. You better believe it. <laughs> New Valentine's Day image for next year. It was humorous. <laughs> uh, but awesome. but he is he's like any typical person on or yeah, many people on their deathbeds trying to make right all of their wrongs. And he even said to Bellfire that he'd been waiting a lifetime to tell Bay that he loves him. And what a beautiful scene there when Mr. Gold reached out his hand mm-hmm. to Bay and or Neil and Neil is like a kid. He's saying, mm-hmm. I'm still angry. <laughs> but then the way that they then just grabbed each other's hands and cried together uh, it was beautiful. I mean, it was really good. This is fantastic episode of Once Upon a Time. Jane Espenson, mm-hmm. you are amazing at writing these episodes. So, uh, Mary Margaret goes to the vault, finds the heart, and um, she is 
clever in how she presented that to Regina. Well, and by the way, big question that we've been asking for weeks was answered, which was, where is Cora's heart? Well, she had it. At first, I was like, it's in Regina's vault. But looking at the sort of haphazard placement of all these things we've never seen, I guess those were Cora's things that Mm -hmm. she brought. So Cora's just had it in a trunk or whatever. She just packed it with her socks and her underwear. (laughs) (laughs) It's my heart. It's my socks and my underwear. Well, that's the same chest that she used in... um, In the episode, uh, I believe it was the doctor, when we saw Cora use the dead people, kind of like as zombies, yeah. to attack oh. Emma, Mary Margaret, and uh, Aurora, Mulan, all of them back in modern day, present day fairy tale land. And she did say to Regina, my heart is with my things in your vault. And remember also in previous episode in Tiny, Regina asked Hook for Cora whether Hook had gotten Cora's things off of his ship. She said where her heart was. I need my things. I need well, them. She told That's Regina she said. in this episode, she said, oh, right, my right, heart right. is with my things in your vault. Oh. Yeah. She needs her things. And now we know why. Her She needed things. to take a shower and she needed her heart. By, That's what she needed. By things, I mean one of my most vital organs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Need that. I need that. I just do. I can't, I can't explain why, but I do. <laughs> so what was that? How did she feel that somebody was near it? Did she just feel the proximity or was that sort of maybe when Snow opened the box that we were seeing? Well, you would know if somebody was near your heart too, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, but I keep mine in my chest where everybody else keeps theirs. <laughs> well, if you want to experience that, just pluck it out, put it on a shelf somewhere. And when somebody gets near it, you can tell us if you feel them. Okay. <laughs> I'll th- get back to you on that. <laughs> okay. I think that it was... She was feeling it when when Mary Margaret was there and starting to work with the heart. But also Alias Scape pointed out how, remember how Cora could hear through Aurora's heart back in present day fairytale <laughs> land. So maybe she could hear things through her heart, but she seemed physically disturbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even that time when she just poofed from one location <laughs> to the other inside of Gold's shop yeah. and she dropped the dagger. When she first came back, she seemed a little bit disoriented. Did she? I wondered what was going on and I don't know if that's it, but I was like, why did she drop the most important object in all of the universe mm-hmm. when she disappeared? That seems like a bit of an oversight. Yeah. Poof. Oh, look. Look at daggers on I the floor. It. How did that and and she chose the dagger. Oh, it's in my hand. She chose the dagger <laughs> over the floor. Her own now look at my hand. She chose the dagger over her own daughter, Regina. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Regina see that? Yeah, seriously, because Emma could have killed her. Mm-hmm. In fact, for a second, I almost thought something like that happened because she shoved Regina. There was a weird sound that was almost like a stabby sound. Stabby? <laughs> and she kind of threw her at. Cora and Cora was holding the dagger, so I kind of thought something happened there, but it didn't. Plus, we were kind of expecting someone to die, and I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. So, yeah, I was listening for stabby sounds. So, David found Mary Margaret at the mausoleum, and she's just holding her head, realizing I think that's not who she is. So, I don't think we have to worry about murderous mary margaret no i don't think so being dark after this she's she's already back to just mary margaret yeah she had second thoughts she did play the henry card though with regina yeah i don't know that yeah 
it was she can go very dark when she wants to well yeah she can she's human true Our, after a fashion <laughs> our listener carrie asked about the scene when cora broke through the barrier and walked in and just um, poofed um emma and neil somewhere else yeah carrie wondered uh where did cora and emma and where did cora send neil and emma when she made them disappear or is that even important i don't think so there was a road and a sign i think they were near town yeah but the bigger question for me was why didn't she just do that to everybody to begin with (laughs) maybe she just forgot (laughs) oh yeah this is something i can do mother daughter fireball poof Mm. and now she's to gold i mean it would have been less entertaining but (laughs) maybe she likes the drama of it all they would have kept running back, and right. she would have kept poofing, and it would have just been annoying. So first she tried to kill him, and that didn't really work. I guess that's why. So what Snow had done is convince Regina to put the heart back in. Yeah. And what Snow was telling was actually the truth, ended up being the truth, that mm-hmm. Cora could love Regina with her heart back. Which makes it really worse somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I really wonder if the whole candle thing hadn't happened and Cora got her heart back, would she have then like apologized, made everything right, recognized, you know, saying, yeah, guys, I did this completely wrong. This was not good. I think she would have been like, Regina, and like popped it back out again. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't belong here anymore. I don't know. <laughs> she didn't seem like it, but like I said... And like you said, there was so much bitterness before that, that unless that's somehow gone or she's just so unused to loving that the love is enough. Mm -hmm. She did love murder and hate a whole lot before her heart was out. So I'm not sure it would have held. You know what? If she, if, if, if Snow had not cursed the heart, then Cora probably would have gotten back together with Rumpelstiltskin. Maybe. Which would have thrown off the whole bell Rumpelstiltskin thing. Well, Cora did say that Rumpel was the one and only person she ever truly loved. Yeah. Do you think she was telling the truth? Yeah, I think she was. I think she was totally telling the truth. She didn't love her husband. hmm So, what, what's going to happen from here on out? Because now Regina is angry. We had the scene that's very similar to the pilot, to Stable Boy, to many things with Rumpelstiltskin now back to his full self, which, by the way, did you notice the name on the dagger was there immediately as soon Mm -hmm. as the dagger hit the floor? His Mm -hmm. name was back. So he's back in full power. He's standing over Regina, who's holding a dying or now dead Cora. What do you think he meant by your mother? Did you know favors? That she didn't help, that she only hindered things. Yeah, I mean, you can use the heart absence thing for a lot, but she was still evil, wicked. She doesn't think she is. But there were other people, for instance, Graham, who did not have a heart. It made him numb, but it did not make him evil. Mm -hmm. He was not out killing people and trying to grab power. So right. they made us feel sorry for the those two women in the last like 10 seconds mm-hmm. because it 
she looked so happy to see Regina for the first time with her heart in place. As soon as I saw her smile, I thought, wow, Cheshire cat. Because <laughs> it's so big. It was a big smile. It's a great smile. Barbara Hershey has a great smile. It's true. Oh, you know, just before that, also, um, when she was talking to Rumpel, she said that he was her weakness. Mm-hmm. Does that remind you of something else? Yeah, Regina said that Cora was her weakness. Mm-hmm. So Cora could sympathize a lot more, and that's probably part of what inspired Cora to change her plans so drastically when she was planning to kill Regina, mm-hmm. and then heard that and realized that she could sympathize with that. Uh, also, the poison that was in Hook, like the wound and the poison itself, transferred immediately to Cora yep. once the heart was put in, and then the, the candle thing ended up working. It even ripped her jacket, which was... <laughs> no, it didn't. Oh, it did. Yeah, kind of a little hole underneath her lapel. Oh, yeah. So we got a funny email here from Rumplefan22 saying, The evil queen and Cora are killing the people Snow loves, and Snow is indirectly killing the ones the evil queen loves. That would be a horrible Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm happy that Mr. Gold lived. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we we've got we've had a lot of discussion about this, and we would love to have your thoughts. Now, here's what you need to do: if you want to comment on this episode, there are two places you could go to talk more about the Miller's daughter. The place that we highly recommend going is to our forums at oncepodcast.com/forums, where you can chat there about previous episodes, future episodes. You can theorize about future episodes. You can share spoilers about future episodes in the appropriate location Mm -hmm. and talk about older episodes and more. It'll be a lot of fun. That's over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Or if you want to respond to something that we said in this podcast episode, then go to oncepodcast.com slash 88 and comment down at the bottom of the page to respond to what we share in this episode. But for now, we're going to be finished uh, discussing the Miller's daughter inside of the podcast, but we'd love for the conversation to continue with you either in the comments or especially over there in the forums where you can share your thoughts and theories with so many other Once Once Podcast listeners and Once Upon a Time viewers over there. And really special announcement, we know the finale date for season two is Sunday, May 12th, will be the finale episode for season two. We don't know yet if there will be a third season, but they they saved that announcement for pretty late even last year too. So most likely there will be a third season and the finale will be awesome, no doubt. We may look at hosting a finale party. There's a better place for it this time in our area, area in uh, Northern Kentucky. So if you're interested in that, please email us, feedback at oncepodcast.com. If you're interested in a finale party here near Cincinnati, it's Northern Kentucky, just on the other side of the river from Cincinnati. So it's real close. And we'd record our podcast live. We'd watch the show together, watch it on some big screens, possibly if it all works out. But we'll have details about that in the future if we uh, get that planned. So if you're interested, please email us. And our initial reactions to this Sunday's episode will be live at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT-4. But you can join us during the Eastern and Central Time airing of the episode 
at oncepodcast.com slash live to chat in our chat room during the episode or maybe during the commercial breaks. You can do it different ways. Some of us will chat there during the episode. Sometimes we wait during the commercial breaks, then we start chatting. It's a lot of fun to do and really brings the community together. We have a blast with it. So join us this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT minus four at oncepodcast.com slash live. And send us your feedback about that episode, your thoughts and theories. Email feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221 and leave a voicemail there. Or you can go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send a voice message link or record a message from your iPad or iOS device and send that straight to us. Jeremy, Jenny, anything else that uh, you noticed about this episode that you wanted to mention before we close out here? Nope. Nope. It was a great episode and a great conversation here from uh, my co-hosts and from you guys, our listeners. Thank you so much for sending in your emails. We receive so many emails it is, <laughs> and voicemails and uh, feedback. It is so hard to try and incorporate all of them, but thank you so much for sending your feedback and continue sending your feedback too. And uh, for this upcoming Sunday's episode, send your feedback with the subject line, of the title of that episode. I'm not going to give it now because it's we consider titles slight spoilers, but we will have spoilers after the music ends in this podcast episode. We'll have our spoilers from Hunter, so stick around if you want to hear that. But send us your feedback with that feedback information that I mentioned earlier. And also, hey, shout out to... Whoa! Uh-huh, there... <laughs> Turbo for leaving us a kind review in <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> It's spelled. Woha. Yeah. yeah. Woha, there. It's either their turbo or the re turbo. But they said. It's probably whoa, their turbo. They said in their comment <laughs> if only they would cover more TV shows. So thank you so much for that review. And if anyone else would like to review us in iTunes or mark some of these nice reviews as helpful, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And join us when we record the podcast live on Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT-4. Please follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show on iTunes at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny. And you can follow me at Twitter.com slash Jenny's Note. Get the show notes for this episode at OncePodcast.com slash 88 and remember next time you're spinning straw into gold get ready to marry a prince thanks for listening Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to the sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast, especially to Simul TV. Check them out at oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L-T-V. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 2, Episode 17, Welcome to Storybrooke, is written by Ian Goldberg and Adam Chambliss, and is directed by Dave Barrett. 
It's time to go back in Storybrook time to when the curse first took place. How did strangers get into town? I thought it was to be an undetectable town. In present-day Storybrook, Regina wants revenge on Snow, who is being protected by Emma, David, and Mr. Gold. But does Regina get Snow's heart? It looks that way from the preview. Henry is sick of all the feuding and devises a plan to put an end to the magic. Guess what, everyone? Jamie Doran is back as Sheriff Graham. Okay, now for some casting news. Looks like Heidi, a 13-year-old British girl, will, will appear in episode 21. She's compassionate, mischievous, and somewhat naive about how dangerous the world can be. While this next casting notice is not to do with the show ones, it has to do one of it, with one of its stars, Megan Arroy. Our favorite werewolf, Ruby, has been cast as the lead in CBS's drama pilot called Intelligent. She will be joined by Josh Holloway, or Marge Hallenberger, and PJ Brine. What does this mean for Ruby and Once? Thanks for listening. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time, Oncers. Oh, 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 oh